Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Really? Yep. That's fantastic. It is. <laughs> <laughs> One run in six innings with seven strikeouts. Okay, now he's 100% my uh, fourth starter. <laughs> We're just going to call it uh, How Not to Baseball with Gabe Kapler. The segment will always be called with Gabe Kapler, by the yeah, way. Yeah, <laughs> regardless of who we're not baseballing with. And welcome to Artificial Turf Wars, episode number 95, where we're going to have more fun in the next 45 minutes than we did the entire off-season. I'm your host, Greg Wisniewski, and I am joined tonight by Joshua Hausam. Josh, are you doing well? In Are you basking in the glow of another potential victory? Yeah, it's kind of nice. <laughs> Last year, it took them, what, six years together first to get to four wins? Even though that uh, sentence made no sense, no, that's what it felt like. That's how bad it was. Oh, we have lots of things to talk about, about how you can limit the damage against the very deadly New York Yankees, about how waiting to score until the bullpen comes in is a thing, apparently. Uh, we're going to talk about, of course, uh, the first trip in a bit through the starting rotation. Josh Donaldson and his arm that died but came back. Uh, Alad Mestiaz looking pretty good. Smoke looking pretty good. Um, some of the relievers, including O, maybe not looking the way you want them to. Um, we have a do-over, which doesn't have anything to do with the Blue Jays. It's the Twins this time. Uh, we have a little, <laughs> we have a crash course in how not to baseball with Gabe Gabler of the Phillies. <laughs> <laughs> and that'll, that'll probably round it up. Uh, so the Blue Jays, we, we've started recording because we can't wait for for them we tried to wait for them to score all the runs and i think we did uh they're currently up 14 well, we certainly hope we did <laughs> we hope they yeah. get a chance to bat again recording this in the top of the ninth with two outs 14 to 5 against the white Sox, which will make them four and two which is two games further above 500 than they ever got in 2017 so we're jubilant three games very jubilant yeah i mean especially it's very funny considering the way it started they looked awful in the first two games of the season. They they look flat. They look like they didn't weren't going to score any runs doing anything. No. And the pitching wasn't that good either. I mean, we'll 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 get to that a bit a bit more later, but just nothing looked good in those first couple of games of the season and then they've won four in a row. <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, so what they started managing to do in that later part of the series against the Yankees was limiting the damage. Um, after Giancarlo Stanton's initial massive blast to uh, welcome him to his pinstripes, um, he and Aaron Judge and Gary Sanchez did not run wild on the Blue Jays all four games of that series, which is the thing you're really afraid of with that that lineup. Yeah, I mean, that that's going to be the issue facing them all year long. But you mentioned it. The Jays did a very good job limiting the damage on those guys, aside from Stan's, you know, outburst in game one. And I don't know, do you, do you have a blueprint for doing that? Or do you just try and make really good pitches when you're when you're up against those guys and then you hope that a certain shortstop doesn't show up and destroy you? Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, he, yeah. he certainly made a mess of the Blue Jays a little bit. Um, and then tonight, uh, eight RBIs, was it, against Tampa Bay? Oh, really? Oh, I didn't see that. Wow. Yeah, Gregorius yeah. hit two home runs and drove in eight. It, no, no Yankee shortstop, remember. Derek Jeter was a Yankee shortstop, uh, has ever driven in eight runs in a game. So It's impossible not to remember that Derek Jeter was a Yankee shortstop <laughs> if you ever watch a Blue Jays broadcast. <laughs> but yeah, then the Jays did a really good job of it. I mean, Hap gave up, I think it was two runs in five, and then the bullpen gave up a couple runs, and then Sanchez, he just tired late, and then Estrada limited it to three. Stroman, I think it was four runs, but they kept themselves in and kept it close and kept it close because the bullpen did a fantastic job. Yeah, the bullpen did exactly what you thought the Yankees bullpen was going to do for those last two games of the series, which I don't even understand how that worked exactly. Because every guy (laughs) who comes out of the Yankees bullpen is throwing 500 miles an hour and has some vicious breaking stuff and you're not supposed to be able to hit them. And yet there was... All kinds of shenanigans with Dellen Batonsis and Kevin Pillar stealing bases. There was a home run off David Robertson. There was everything. <laughs> yeah. I mean, talk about excitement. The, the first one, it was back and forth. It wasn't a comeback, but they get the final insurance run on stealing second, third, and home off Dellen Batonsis, who is just the worst in baseball at holding runners. And then the next day, they get the... They get the winning go-ahead grand slam in the eighth inning of both games. That's exciting. Yeah, that's, I mean, exciting is the one thing that this season has been so far that has absolutely outstripped last year by miles and miles and miles. Because even when they were doing the, you know, the week or two of things more or less right, it was still clawing back to 500 last year and it was never easy. It never seemed to be easy. It was always like you were going in and they were going to have to call Tapera and Asuna because they were up by one run. And, oh, no, they got two runners on in the eighth. And, oh, well, they squeaked through with that. But now that's three nights in a row that they've used their two best relievers. And on. It, like, this is just, it really is a different season in, in, in a, you know, a metaphysical sense as well as the literal sense. Yeah. <laughs> It's very true. I mean, even just today, which the game is finally over, Loop got the most generous strikeout pitch call ever, but he's about <laughs> eight inches outside. But, um, <laughs> umpires have dinner reservations too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a little late for them probably by now, but, you know, Osuna was warming up, getting loose to come in in the ninth, and then the Jays put up an eight spot. Seven. Or was it seven? I don't seven know. Something spot. like that. I'm looking yeah, at seven the spot. <laughs> yeah. And he got to sit down. And that's not something that happened at all last year. I mean, I might be exaggerating a little bit, but it was extremely infrequent. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, there were times when you thought that things were going to be okay. There was a four run lead in the seventh and that lead would eventually be two. 
by the time the ninth rolled around. That's just what we got used to was like, well, you're probably going to have to use those sooner. So that's the other weird part is not only did the Yankees bullpen suffer at the hands in the last two games of the Blue Jays, but the White Sox bullpen has been arguably worse. Well, yeah. I mean, especially if you include today's results, but so here is the Blue Jays batting line against opposing teams bullpens. 280 batting average, a 368 on base, and a 613 slugging percentage. Jeez. I mean, yeah, and this is includes... 22 runs against the bullpens. That's that's not just part of the lineup. That's everybody. That's all the way from Luke Melee on on through Gift and Gopay on through uh, you know, Kendris Morales, who sadly is hitting about like the other two guys. Um Yeah. So there's, I, I guess I've always think, you know, in terms of, well, once you get used to a guy, you see him, there's a penalty for going third time through the order. You want to get to the starter as he tires. Apparently, that's not the early strategy. See, you know, the starters have owned the Blue Jays. <laughs> so should they be just like, see it and hit it in the first four innings of the game as well? <laughs> it's the, I don't know. Lots of strikeouts in those first three innings of the games. Uh, who knows? But I mean, they they should not have been able to do what they have. But it's it's just been really really fun to watch. Yeah. So the J the Jays struck out six times and walked five today. The White Sox struck out fourteen and walked two. <laughs> yeah, that's bad. Woof. Um, <laughs> lest we continue to make fun of Kevin Pilar and and Luke Melee and not give them their props, it appears that both of them are still OPSing over a thousand. Yeah, didn't see that coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's fun with early season numbers. The Blue Jays currently have four players OPSing over a thousand. Yeah, let's talk and, about. Do you want to talk about so, Aledmus Diaz, the one guy who yeah. might actually be able to sustain something that <laughs> looks like that? Yeah, he hasn't walked yet. He's on base percentage, his batting average are the same. But you know, Aledmus Diaz is one of the big unknowns when we entered the season. I mean, he was, as we've talked about a couple times, but when he was acquired, it was the biggest idea. It was like, he was a star. He was an all-star in 2016. And then he was so bad. He was demoted in 2017. And it was, well, which version of him are we going to get? And the early returns are very, very good. Yeah. Now I know you've been just box score peeping. Are you aware of why he left the game tonight? Yeah, he had back spasms. Yes. What is what is a back spasm really? I guess is the question we're going to find out probably in the next twenty four hours. Yeah, uh, something flared up. It's a, I don't think we'll know anything until we hear from John Gibbons or well, <laughs> it's from someone other than John Gibbons, really. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, it we'll find out basically when the lineup is displayed tomorrow. My guess is he will not play the final game of the series, and they'll play Ngope and Diaz. Sorry, right? and Travis, or they might even risk Solarte at short. But along while we're still talking about Diaz, he's hitting great. He's got two home runs, got a few doubles, but his defense has looked very good, or at least solid, which is you know, one of the question marks. He has had a little trouble getting that throw up out of the dirt for uh, smoke the last couple tries, but um, I think that's. That's something that happens to shortstops. Um, you know, we're, we're not, you're not going to get Troy Tulowitzki, um, who's money every time. I, I think yeah, they've done the chance with every throw. Yeah, 
I think I think they're going to do okay if if he stays healthy at this point. It, he's he's probably not going to have that thousand OPS, but he clearly has some power in his bat. Um, and whatever approach he's he's using right now, the league clearly doesn't know what to do about him. I'll take that for as long as it lasts. Yeah. Uh, speaking of guys we were counting on continuing, I suppose Justin Smoke comes to mind. Yeah, it's very funny. In the So he hit the Grand Slam and the two-run homer on the Sunday game. On the Saturday game against the Yankees, the Jays were going to sit him. But it was his bobblehead <laughs> day. So they're like, oh, we'll play him. And I think he got two doubles and three runs batted in or something. He was, Yeah, he was like three for four with a walk. And he had, yeah, he had the runs batted in and everything else. It was like, oh, right. Note to self. The promotional staff maybe knows more than the coaching staff, only on bobblehead days. <laughs> exactly. No, but he was the other guy that's, well, what's the real smoke? And again, it's six games, so it's it's hard to say what's real and what's not. But the early returns are fantastic. He does not look like he is looking to prove anything by getting hits, if you will. He's very patient. Uh, he's swinging at pitches in the zone. And... Um, mm-hmm. You know, Kevin Pilar has gotten some great results, and I've still seen him swing at some stuff that I'm like, Kev, it's relax, buddy. You know, <laughs> <laughs> he had some ugly at bats in the first couple of games. Yeah. And, and I want to talk about that grand slam at bat that Smoke had. Dave Robertson has owned Smoke. They, I mean, only in five play appearances, but he struck him out four times. And yeah, in that, yeah. something was working. Bat, yeah. And in that bat, Smoke did a good job to work the count to three and two. And then Robertson threw him three curveballs in a row on three, two. And Smoke managed to foul them all off. Pre-2017, Smoke doesn't do that. No. No, we, we watched a lot of curveballs get swung over top of with a big swing, a long swing. Um, <clears throat> and that, that clearly has, I mean, last year we saw that that went away. And that's why he was successful in the first place. Um, but yeah, it, it doesn't appear that he's, he's ready to slip into bad habits, so to speak. So yeah. yay. Um, slightly yet less yay. Josh Donaldson had, and this is something I usually hear about pitchers. He had a dead arm. It just it died and he was unable to make throws across the diamond. So suddenly he moved to DH and you were speculating on the problems that jo- Josh Donaldson at DH actually causes for this team. Yeah. If the Jays had a regular healthy infield, it wouldn't have been that big of a deal, but because they're insisting on giving Devin Travis a game off once every three games by having young Hervé Solarte forced to play third, it meant that gifting Gope had to start. And that's never been the plan. He's supposed to be the guy that comes in late for defense for Diaz or to give someone a day off here or there. But now that he's back at third base on those days when Travis needs a day off, he gets Solarte at second, which is what happened in today's game. Suboptimal. Yeah. So that's going to be something to monitor. I, I didn't see most of the game today, so I actually didn't see how any of his throws looked. Did you happen to catch any of it? Uh, the very first inning, he basically threw a rocket like he was trying to prove something. So um, he, he's certainly not cheating by coming down three quarters and lobbing them or anything like that. So it appears that he has uh, a decent feel for his arm right now. Well, that's good because I was at opening day and it was ugly i mean i was wondering i was like why is he babying these throws over it's, i thought the guy just has all this time and then there was a play where he didn't have time and he still did it and it's like okay something's wrong and 
you know, it's a shoulder thing. So you, you typically think that might have affected him at the plate. And he did not look good in the first couple games. And then things got better. Yay! Um, so that whole <laughs> thing the other night about the whistle that comes out of the White Sox dugout, which I didn't really hear tonight. Mind you, the White Sox did not look hot on defense tonight. <laughs> um, and then Josh Donaldson blowing the whistle back at them after the home run and, and going back and forth with Daryl Boston. Uh, he walked up to um, two shorts, blow the whistle tonight for his first at bat. Really? Yep. That's fantastic. It is, isn't it? <laughs> it's just, just one little troll job further. Uh, I'll give credit to Tim and Sid for tweeting that out. Um, that they, <laughs> they noticed that. But yeah, I mean, uh, I, I unlike some you know feuds with the Orioles and Jose Bautista and everything else, this whole thing seemed good-natured. As in, your whistle annoys me, but I can do nothing about it but hit home runs. And I know my whistle annoys you, but I'm going to continue to blow it. <laughs> <laughs> just to bother you uh apparently there's a rule uh, hazel may was saying that there there's no specific rule prohibiting him from blowing the whistle um huh. yeah it, it does uh, unless one team specifically says hey that's the we really can't do that which i'm sure buck Walter is about to do when the white Sox and orioles meet up uh for the first time uh we have not particularly talked about well, we quickly talked about everybody in the starting rotation. Did you want to make any other notes about Estrada or Stroman? Um, well, Stroman and Sanchez, I think we should talk about specifically because Dan Sanchez, he was throwing a ton of changeups in that game, and they looked really good. So that could be a very interesting thing from going forward. Now he didn't have a curveball really, which he wasn't hammers and bullets, your favorite nickname for him. Yeah. But well, you can't have everything. But he I'm, so. His line is terrible for that game. But that's not really through much fault of his own. He looked really good, and he just got left in too long. And, you know, that's kind of going to hurt. That's going to hurt your overall final line, right? So, But the, the first run that was scored was a ball that Travis should have fielded, and he didn't. And, you know, he gave up another run later, which was his. And then the two runs scored when he was should have been out of the game. So... He made some Judge and Stanton particularly look awful. And I kind of wish I saw that, but I was literally in surgery at the time, so I missed it. <laughs> yeah, that makes it tougher. But <laughs> it does. I think, yeah. Sorry to hear that, by the way. <laughs> it's all right. Yeah. First he time had, I've ever been able to use that excuse. Tell me about yeah, Judge. <laughs> hopefully the last time you're able to use that excuse. But he had Judge hit into two double plays, struck out Stanton twice, I mean, he looked really, really good and then just gave up some runs. So it was actually an encouraging start despite the line. And we haven't heard anything since about problems with his fingers, which, again, is the thing we keep hoping to not hear. Is he effective? Is his velocity there? And are his fingernails okay? That's where it is. And, yeah. yeah, it'll be interesting to see if he starts using the curveball more in his next outing because that's a pitch that would probably have probably be heavily affected by the fingernail. So if he's not using it, it might be because of a, of a worry there, but if he comes back to it, then it's just, Oh, he just, the Yankees were the better matchup for the changeup. Fair enough. Uh, and you had, uh, Estrada or Stroman. Yeah. Stroman it was a very un Stroman like game. It was, it was particularly strange. He got a bunch of strikeouts, <laughs> Eight strikeouts through five, but he also walked three guys. So 
I think that that whole idea about wanting to get more strikeouts was working because he was throwing a lot of those sliders down and into lefties and backdooring them to righties. So it may have led to a couple extra walks, but I kind of like that at least in the early return, it worked because we talked about this on our preview pod about it's like, oh, you're trying to get more strikeouts. Well, he did something different. So it's something to monitor going forward. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, he definitely um, got the ball on the ground still when it went in play, which was the other the other thing you worry about, I think, when you start to change your approach is are, are you going to be giving up some of that ground ball um, ness in order to get uh, the strikeouts, right? Yeah, and he had seven ground outs and one fly ball out. Yeah. The only, the only real damage in the air was the home run by Drury. So I think, you know, with a, with a little bit better luck, maybe, Stroman is, uh, or a different strike zone uh, from a different umpire, maybe Stroman, we're talking about a, a really successful outing from it. Yeah. Uh, now, the the okay, the thing that might, well, okay, first of all, Jaime Garcia looked exactly like I want a fifth starter to look. <laughs> He gave me six innings. He gave up three runs. Nothing horrible happened. <laughs> we'll wait yeah, until he goes I'm... goes another turn through the rotation before we pass judgment on him. Um, the the guy we're worried a little bit about maybe is uh, Sung Hwang Oh. Yeah, I mean, if you actually look at the the performance and the numbers, he's been fine. He gave up one run. It was a, he gave a home run, but in three innings. But the velocity is very alarming. He's throwing 91-ish, and he's averaged 93 in the previous two seasons. And he's topping at 92, 93 this year. He's, he topped at 95, 96 the previous two seasons. Normally, a guy who had basically no spring training, I would be like, I would just dismiss it. It's like he's still getting worked up, you know, he's still getting ready for the season. But this is a guy that failed a physical with the Rangers. So there was at least some level of red flag in his arm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and just for the record, Jaime Garcia gave up one run, not three. Oh, really? I yeah. think he gave up three. One run in six innings with seven strikeouts. Okay, now he's 100% my uh, fourth starter. <laughs> <laughs> it was Estrada that gave up three runs in seven. Which, again, I can't complain about. You have to figure that your team is going to score runs for you. Um, so... It's 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 been a really good start to the season. I, I have no. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean you're you're not going to win 162. No, the fact four and two is fantastic. If you told me the Jays going to start four and two, I would have said really. I would have thought you were a little nuts. Maybe. Well, no, maybe a little bit. But uh, <laughs> yeah, splitting with the Yankees and taking the first two from the White Sox, you can't complain about the result. The some of the process was a little iffy, which we sort of t- discussed the things that came through there. But the results are all that matters. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're going to win games by piling it on late, well, then do that for a while. You don't have to write it in the book a certain way. It's just the final score you need to get to. Yeah. All right, so that is, wow, It's that's pretty much the first week with the Blue Jays. I, that seems like it's been forever <laughs> since we've been able to talk about a week with the Blue Jays. It's nice to be able to talk about the first one and be happy about it. <laughs> yeah, as opposed to making excuses for, oh, it's still early, you know, and here's why we shouldn't be panicking. <laughs> yeah, like, if you go back and listen to our podcasts from last, which you never, ever should do. Because from... <laughs> we don't. <laughs> yeah. 
I'm, I'm sure we were not exactly thrilled sounding at the one and nine start. Indeed, indeed. All right. So uh, usually the serious questions come up when people have serious concerns. Apparently, I haven't previewed them yet. We're going to come back after we preview them. Uh, Josh tells me that people are not all that concerned. So our questions are not all that serious, but we're going to answer them anyway. We'll be right back. And we are back. And as always, we are ready only too happy to answer your questions. And when we do, we make a little sound like this. Apparently. Time now to hear from our listeners. That just seems silly. Here are the rules. First I ask a question, then you ask a question. Now how does that sound, sweetheart? Could you repeat the question, please? Eventually, we make it sound like that. Um, <laughs> I, the hamster in my computer is slowing down, I guess. Oh, my goodness. We have from Andy at underscore rally cap. Our first question of the night. Do you guys buy the story that nothing broke up the Tatums? Does Andy know this is a baseball podcast? <laughs> <laughs> well, clearly, I don't buy the story that Channing Tatum and Jenna Dewan Tatum, there was nothing. It was clearly they were so shocked about the Blue Jays getting off to this start that they just couldn't handle it. It was just too much. One of them must be a Yankees fan. That's it. One of them, one of them is secretly in love with Giancarlo Stanton and uh, went to console him. Yeah. Yeah. Which would explain why he struck out five times tonight. Five times. (laughs) (laughs) All right. What's next? All right. So the next question, since we had that fun little diversion, I guess, Randy, from Minor Leaguer, can you all try to whistle like Daryl Boston? <laughs> Wait a minute. I don't whistling into microphones is not a good thing. <laughs> I do not believe that Daryl Oh <laughs> <laughs> see. I don't believe Daryl Boston is is whistling himself. I believe he is using a mechanical whistle and having left my Fox 40 in my uh, emergency kit in the car, no, I'm not going to whistle like Daryl Boston. Oh, Luke, hashtag we want Vlad at split letters asks, who would win in a dance-off, Solarte or Kawasaki? Which also goes with our question from Brian A, which is, if Solarte gave dance classes, would you sign up? Solarte would take this. I, Solarte has style, absolutely. Yeah. He's got The judges that, would award it. It's got that, he's got that hip thing. So I'm sure from a technic- technical standpoint, maybe Kawasaki has some moves that Solarte doesn't have. That that raw emotion, I think that's definitely Solarte. Yeah. Also, I mean, the fact that Solarte leaps over the dugout and done it, does it where everybody can see is is probably my favorite part. Yeah. So we would both clearly sign up for the classes. Oh yeah, hundred percent, man. I th- although I would say you you probably can't teach that. <laughs> that's true. What's All right. That? Here's so we talked about how this you know a lot of optimism and silliness from Josh at Sergio Dip. What street should the parade start on? Ah <laughs> uh, yes, Game Six is is over, and and I think that's all we really need to see. The other hundred and fifty six of them are probably like, they're just a given that we're going to be making. It, yeah. Uh, done. What does the does the parade end on one Blue Jays way, or does it just start there? No, it ends at the dome. The praise goes on Young Street. This is the way things happen. Come on. Okay. No Spadina for you. 
okay, an actual baseball-related question. Turf Ferguson at Turferg asks, is there any remaining free agent that would be a noticeable upgrade on the current roster? I think there are two. I think J.J. Hardy would be an upgrade over Gift and Gobe. And I also think old, I don't know what friend, you know Escobar. Mm. I don't think there's any other real areas that have obvious upgrades that are players that are still available other than the backup no-hit middle infielder. I think probably that second guy you mentioned is still persona non grata in, uh, in Toronto. I didn't say that he was a guy that I could see coming in. I just said he would be an upgrade. True enough. Uh, okay. Brendan at I'm just a guy 78 asks very hypothetically, if Diaz is playing like 2016 Diaz win and if Tulo gets back, what do they do? I have no idea. <laughs> this would be a really, really, really tough. And it's not completely out of the realm of possibility. If Travis is hitting, and Diaz is hitting. They have to try to find a bat somehow because, you know, if Diaz is 2016 Diaz, it's an all-star. It's a very, very good hitter and one of the better ones in the lineup. Doesn't strike out much. So, and you got to play too low. You can't bench Troy T. Lewitsky. So, I don't know. It's, it's a very tough question and hopefully one they have to try to answer. Yeah, I, I guess you, you kind of look and say, well... When, if he's coming back, and if you believe Tulowitzki's going to be at 100%, do you let that play out for a couple of weeks with someone on the bench and then actively look to get a, a real major league asset for a real major, major league asset out of one of those three guys? Because I could see that as a possibility. And the other op opportunity would be to potentially play Diaz or Solarte occasionally in the outfield. Diaz played some left field with the Cardinals last year. And, you know, it, it, essentially if one of Pierce or Granderson isn't hitting. So there are a lot of parts that would have to be performing in order for this to be a problem, but I really hope it's a problem. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, you'd also have to have a whole bunch of other people healthy consistently, which we don't know. Yeah. Last question. From Jonathan Passy at Earl Tiffs. How much would the installation of natural turf at the Rogers Center cost your organization in rebranding? <laughs> Perhaps assuming that we have a uh, vast logo and or promotional slogan department, um, you would think it would be a lot. Uh, I think we could survive the change, though. I think financially we could we could take the burden because <laughs> we don't have a vast department for either of those things. Uh, also, I think it would cost far more for them to put the artificial grass in than it ever could, or the real grass in than it ever could for us to uh, rename the podcast. Well, if the opposite of that were true, either our thing would be way too expensive <laughs> or, or we couldn't trust that grass. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, thanks for thinking of us, though. I appreciate that. Yeah. But we're, because of it, though, we're okay with the turf sticking in. <laughs> yeah, that's that's why we voted for turf in the long run. <laughs> we, we knew what we were in for anyway. Okay, are you ready to give out a do-over to a, uh, a major league organization with its head up its butt? <laughs> it's nice to be able to do that again. All right. What did you say? Oh, my God. Did he really just say that? Well, we can try again, right? You talking about a do-over, baby? Are you talking about a do-over? Let's do this! Indeed. And that organization would be... The Minnesota Twins. 
So here's the situation. Minnesota was beating Baltimore 7 nothing, and Jose Barrios was throwing a shout-out. One hitter. One out. Nobody on. Chet Sisko, the Orioles rookie catcher, came up, and he bunted for a hit against the shift. Good. The, yeah. The <laughs> Twins were not happy about it. From Brian Dozier. Obviously, we're not a fan of it. He's a young kid. I could very easily have said something about it at second base, but they have tremendous veteran leadership at blah, blah, blah. Eddie Rosario, nobody like that. No, no, no. That's not a good play. Hey, Jose Brios. I just know it's not a good, it's not good for baseball in the situation. That's it. Okay. It'd be one thing if he had a no-hitter going. Oh, yeah. That, that, that's sort of an established, uh, that may even be a written, unwritten rule if such a thing exists. Don't try and break up the no-hitter with a bunt. Yeah, you're not. You can't break up a one hitter. That's not a thing. <laughs> and most importantly, as we've discussed on one of our extra pellets episodes, <clears throat> how does the clock work in baseball, Greg? Uh, it only advances when you make an out. Yes, baseball's clock is counted in outs as opposed to seconds. The Orioles were down six nothing. What they needed was base runners. He got on base. <laughs> I think it's insane that anybody got upset about that. Insane. Well, the, the, the insanity is taken to one more degree in something which you said specifically. You said he bunted, quote, against the shift, unquote. So the twins thought it was important enough to shift on him to prevent him from getting a regular hit. So they were clearly right. thinking that this was a competitive situation where they needed to limit his ability to get on base in order to win the game. And then when he chose to increase his ability to get on base so his team could win the game, they got butthurt, for lack of a better word. Yeah. You can't have it both ways. No, you can't. Uh, this, this reminds me when Colby Lewis got all pissed off at Colby Rasmus for bunting for a hit in like a 5-2 to two game. <laughs> it's... <laughs> It's like he's not trying to pad his individual stats. <clears throat> he's looking at a huge side of the, the infield where there's nobody and going, well, if you're going to give me a hit, I'm going to take a hit. Yeah. So really, really dumb. So what should the twins perhaps do differently? So they should go get in front of a microphone and say, yeah, you know what? We were wrong. <laughs> that, that was a really bad reaction. <laughs> yeah, we're we're uh, we got egg on our faces, really. Also, probably um, we we shouldn't have been shifting that extremely if we were not worried about the score at that point. Because yeah. yeah, you play the third baseman where he's supposed to be, and there's no bunt. Exactly. All right, one do over. Now we have a whole new other category. I don't even know if it's a do over. We, we we talked about this. We're just going to call it uh, How Not to Baseball with Gabe Kapler. I, uh, Gabe the segment Kapler, will always be called with Gabe Kapler, by the yeah, way. Yeah, <laughs> regardless of who we're not baseballing with. Um, so, first of all, Gabe Kapler is the rookie manager of the Phillies. Uh, and being a Major League Baseball manager is very tough in the sense that a lot of things are happening and you got to keep track of a lot of stuff. So, kudos to him for taking on the job. I did not know this. He was actually a minor league manager for a year in the Red Sox system. Did you know that? I did not. So I was going to give him a pass for what you called on-the-job training here, but I'm thinking probably this situation should have been addressed beforehand if he's been a manager for an entire year. 
And let's be honest, everybody who's watched a baseball game should probably have <laughs> been able to do better in that situation. Uh, in the third inning of uh, the Phillies game the other day, he uh, saw that his starter was getting shelled, and um, he opted. I'm still not sure how he managed to opt to do this. He he made a call to the bullpen, and then almost immediately, he went out to the mound to make the pitching change. Uh, he's trying to get Hobie Milner into the game. And, of course, when he signaled for the reliever, the reliever came in having had either zero or three warm-up pitches, depending on who you talk to. But I don't know. How many warm-up pitches do you need, Josh, to come into a game? Okay, I have a, a broken shoulder. I'm not a good example of this. Here's the thing. A major league reliever can probably get ready on the mound. But it's not their routine. It's not what they're used to. They probably need 10 to 15. So uh, I think it was Jerry Lane, the crew chief, saw this happening and realized that as much as this was about to break the rules, um, he was going to let Milner have eight pitches, which is way more than you're supposed to have under the current uh, pace of game rules, uh, because he didn't want someone's broken shoulder specifically on his watch. Yeah, it was... That's a mistake that you just should should not be allowed to make. I, I don't understand how something like that happens. He blamed communication. What communication? Like, did he imagine speaking to the bullpen coach? I don't understand. Like, doesn't there have to be an is someone ready conversation before you get up off the bench and trot out to the mound? Like, that just we've seen that conversation, haven't we? In yeah, endless like, duckout. Yeah, what will happen? If the pitcher, if the manager is about to make a change, he'll have his pitching coach call the bullpen and say, is the guy ready? Yes. Okay. I'm going to go make the pitching change. So that didn't happen. So then Brian no. Snitker came out of the dugout. And this probably is the, the like, this is all the how not to baseball part. Um, he got really bent out of shape because the relief pitcher was taking too many Basically, the, the Phillies were not being penalized for Kapler's mistake here because the umpire is trying to save someone's arm. And he got thrown out of the game. <laughs> I didn't know that part. Yeah. So the only person who received an on-the-field penalty for a reliever on, uh, not coming in was the manager on the opposing team. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That probably shouldn't be how you baseball either, but I understand how it came out that way. Yeah. And by the way, this wasn't the only bizarre Gabe Kapler pitching choice in that series. In the opener... Their ace, Aaron Nola, was on the mound. He had thrown five and a third. He had given up one run on three hits and three, one walk and three strikeouts. He had thrown 68 pitches. And Kapler took him out of the game. The Phillies lost the game eight to five. <laughs> yep. Um, again, you could say maybe the third time through the order penalty or something, but still didn't look like he was in that much trouble. No, they were, by the way, they were up eight to uh, five to one when he was taken out of the game. Yeah. Um, Hope, for Hobie Milner. <laughs> Hobie Milner is, it, it's at the center of everything. <laughs> uh, so Gabe Kapler, uh, also how not to baseball, in the same speech where he apologized for making the mistake with the reliever and saying it was on him and it shouldn't happen again, he also predicted that the Phillies would make the playoffs. <laughs> wow. Like, maybe save that for a different interview. <laughs> it's just... 
<laughs> we don't know how to play, but uh, and I'm a horrible manager, but we're going to make the playoffs despite all that. It doesn't play very well to anybody. So, yeah, no. um, hopefully we don't have too many more uh, episodes of How Not to Baseball with Gabe Kapler this year. There you go. So, uh, this has not been, uh, it's been exciting, but uh, I'm not going to let it drag on too long. I'm going to move to the point where I ask you if you have a final thought. I do. I'm heading down to Texas to catch Jays games in, in Arlington. Whoa. So, yeah, I'm heading down there this weekend. That'll be fun. I'm wear some, trying to dig out my Bautista shirt. <laughs> <laughs> it's an open carry state, so I'm not going to do that. I don't feel like getting shot. But... <laughs> Trolltacular. <laughs> Maybe not. I'm I'm just very happy to be going down there to see a team with a winning record. Yeah, and it's the Blue Jays. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Texas wow. is terrible. Yeah, should be fun. Um, you know, I actually, on that strange note, I... I found uh, i was watching rick mercer the other day he was in the wind tunnel at some university in canada and they do all or that wasn't university it was a wind tunnel company and they had a model of the arlington stadium in there and he's like what's going on with this and they're like yeah they wanted to know how uh they were having trouble hitting home runs out of a certain section of their ballpark so they wanted to know if we could change things around and some of the billboards you see around at the top of arlington stadium are not just because they wanted to fit more advertising space they are specifically designed to change the wind flow inside the stadium that's cool information that is some that's my weird final thought of the week all All right. right so uh it's been a while since i've done this i should probably tell people about our patreon shouldn't i it might be a good idea. Okay. So uh, the podcast obviously is free, but but the podcast could be better if you helped us out. And you can help us out by going to www.patreon.com slash turfpod and checking out all of the things that we might add on slash improve the podcast with. If uh, you in this fresh new season jumped on board and, and maybe for only a couple dollars a month uh, showed your support. We do appreciate all those who support us. Next week, you're going to hear probably all of their names one more time as we uh, as we get into the new season. Uh, once again, www.patreon.com slash turfpod. And having done that, I can say that this brings us to the end of another Artificial Turf Wars. Uh, and that would be to say that you were Joshua Housem at Joshua Housem, and I was Greg Wisniewski at Coolhead2010. And this was Artificial Turf Wars episode number 95. And we will talk to you about, hopefully, another winning Blue Jays week next week.